beer? Do you want to learn how to make your own beer? It's time for Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Here's your host, Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White, Bert Deister. How are you? Good. How are you? Battling fruit flies. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually took everything that we said to heart and tried for at least a couple of days to turn around and do it at home. And it made quite the difference. But you're still battling a little bit? There's still a few. There's still a few. I have, you know, I got one of those compost Tupperwares I keep in the corner of the kitchen. I always forget to put the lid on all the way, and it's always a source of them. Yeah. But it's been manageable. And there's a couple of products I found out there after the show that were recommended. Did you see the trap that I was talking about? Like I the saw little... the trap. Did you know how you did the ladybugs? Yeah. There's a similar strategy for the fruit flies. Which now, you're is? You're not releasing ladybugs you or release like dragonflies in the house. You're releasing bacteria and yeast on your drains. Oh. So there's products that kind of inoculate your plumbing with bacteria and yeast that are going to consume the same nutrients that the fruit flies would. Interesting. And therefore, you kind of eliminate the food source there. Well, I use bleach. Anyone tuning in might be saying, like, why are you talking fruit flies? That's what we talked about last week was how to battle fruit flies. I did the bleach thing. You'd said pour some bleach down the drain mm-hmm. and cover the drain for a while. I did that. I think that might have made a difference. but I did as well, and I think that made a big difference yeah. for me. My biggest problem is that we had a dog jump through the screen door in the backyard. Mm-hmm. So anytime the door is open, there's no screen. We haven't replaced it yet. So I kind of have like an open door to the outside. Yeah. That's probably a big part of my problem. Yeah. Um, you know, We've had this nice, cool weather. That's probably going to help out, as we yeah. found out in the show, more than anything. Some nice, cool weather will slow down the reproduction rates, and hopefully we'll be seeing less. So problems. where do you get this bacteria and yeast for your drains if you wanted to go I'm that I'm just going to say online. Okay. It was recommended. A couple links were sent to me. Okay. So this is, is this the dark web? Or is no. This, the this is pretty – I think you can go on Amazon. And, okay. You know, Amazon a, fruit yeah. fly treatment, that kind of thing? Yeah. Okay. And there's right. actually you know some pretty good – I would say there's some name brands out there, like Orkin had a product. And gotcha. Like gotcha. All right. And the trap that I have, it still does work with a little bit of apple cider vinegar. Um, it just can't, it's tough keeping up with those guys. So anyway, if you are uh, battling fruit flies last week's episode, you can find that on demand at uh, WGR's on-demand portion of their website or at ESPN 1520. Uh, th- th- these episodes are on demand as well. Uh, hops, ready to harvest. They're ready to harvest. We should have a couple nice dry days Pretty much here. without exception. You think everybody's probably think good everybody's to go? everybody's ready. Yeah. Everyone that I've walked by, everybody I've talked to, they're ready to harvest. So if you've been putting it off, now's the time to do it. Get out there. Collect your harvest. Obviously, it, it seems intimidating. Just start packaging. Start collecting. Take the best of the best. You don't have to collect all the flowers. Um, this is like kind of like dandelions in your front yard. We talked about dandelion wines. You don't need to get all the dandelions, but if you want to give it a try, pull some of those nice flowers off, dry them, package them, put them away. They'll be good for years, and you're saving some money. Yeah, and that way you're good to go. And we've also had episodes about how to – package them all, vacuum seal them, put them in the freezer, all that good stuff. Uh, again, just catch up online. Binge. You should binge this show. Like yeah. People binge shows on uh on Binge the Netflix. show before you brew, not while you're brewing. That way, if you catch anything that you might want to make changes or, oh, yep. I should have done this, and you it, can implement them. And as we approach fall, you guys are open this weekend, but next weekend, Labor Day, we are the Monday, you'll be closed. Um, but as we get moving in from summer to fall, uh, all the stuff you could have used in summer – Still in stock, draft kits, picnic yep. taps, all that kind of stuff. And actually so, more people coming in now for the draft kits, coming in because they want them for football season. They're cleaning up old ones, and most of them are wishing they did it at the beginning of the summer. Mm-hmm. So you should have done it, but it's not too late. And if you're new to it, 
Yeah. We have full kit. All you need is a refrigerator and a drill, and you're ready to have a kegerator. All right. So get to Niagara Tradition for anything that you might need, including also, one more thing, cryo hops. Yes, and we have the cryo hop IPA on tap at the store if you want to try it, as well as the Crunchberry White Ale is also on tap now. So if you want to try that as well, come on in. Our reviews. Good. Surprisingly very White Ale-ish. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, you can't really tell that I didn't use any specialty malts in it. It does have some nice graham cracker and kind of toasty notes to it, a little bit of honey. Again, I think that all came from the Captain Crunch. The crunch berries really didn't, didn't come show through. Yeah, no, you can't really taste those. Um, and the color kind of disappeared in the secondary, too. As soon as all the you know matter kind of flocked out, the color went right with it. Yep. Uh, wine services. You guys are also a full-service winemaking shop. I know that uh, you know people do wine tours and start to get into a wine mode. I think that you know we always talk about the seasons. Everybody drinks wine all year round, but fall starts to feel like a big, a bit of now's, a pickup. Now is the time. It's it's unlike you know beer, where you know beer you have grain that can be stored away. We talked about hops being stored in the freezer for years and years. So you can make beer any time of year. Um, you can make wine now with any time of year with the different you know vacuum concentrates and stuff like that. But traditionally, it always was done in the fall in large quantities when the harvest came in, and some people still ring true to that tradition. Um, some people ring true to the tradition of making the wine in the fall, but make small batches too. So we see a lot of people, a lot of people coming in now who are making one gallon batches, maybe out of the grapes in their backyard or the fruit that they have in the backyard. And we have kits starting around, I think $44, uh, and a couple, a little bit lower. If you have some of the equipment that you can start making one gallon wines just in your kitchen. I learned yesterday that, or a couple days ago, actually, that Chautauqua County, is the home of more Concord grapes than any other county in the world. I would believe it. That's a very local product yeah. here. And it's, it's not traditionally a wine-making grape. It kind of has a low sugar content, but it's kind of tart. has a lot of acid. Um, but winemakers have persisted. Mm -hmm. And slowly over time, you're starting to see some really nice products. Everything from, you know, um, traditional meads kind of turned into melomels with nice, um, or piments, I'm sorry, with Concord. Um, and you also see a lot of dessert wines as well as a lot of almost kind of Moscatos, lighter in alcohol, sweet, kind of fizzy wines. And if you're trying to make Concord wine, you need to reduce the acid. That can be malactic cultures. That can be, uh, you know, potassium bicarbonate. Um, or you could water it down. Uh, add some corn sugar and ferment it as a light wine back sweeten and it will really be nice but yeah no through a bunch of tinkering yeah we finally got it down crushers distemmers, more than concord ooh. france i hey it was a uh yeah. i was in chautauqua county and i was learning a lot of facts about yeah. chautauqua county. people think it's local it's actually a french grape well maybe does france not have counties or does france have smaller counties maybe but they have provinces so maybe it's a technicality but more than any other county yeah I'm sure they're wasting most of their time with Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Yeah. Forgetting about the Concorde. Quite possibly. Um, but, yeah, crushers, destemmers, vacuum pumps, large fermenters, anything you might need for winemaking services. All right. So, into today's show. It is not yet September. It's almost September. And September is when Oktoberfest happens. Yes. Which is, I, I don't know why that's n like that. It Do goes we? into October a little bit. I've Does always it? wondered that myself a little... Yeah, I'll, I'll look it up. Maybe it started in October Why? and worked its way back into September. Maybe, um, but, who knows? Maybe yeah. they figured that the beer was better in, in September, yeah. Yeah, and we've talked about this style a few times, and usually we do it in March because that's when you're supposed to make the beer. It's in the name, Oktoberfest Marzen, March till October. Um, 
and then you would make it in March, let it sit in cold storage um, all summer, and then when September comes and the Oktoberfest party starts, you then you know bust out this beer that you've been aging all winter. Um, while most home brewers do make one in March, I have to admit mine was gone sometime in early June um, <laughs> because I kegged it. Um, if you bottled, maybe you're lucky to have a little more than a six-pack left now when it comes to the fall. So you made it in the traditional time, but it was sitting in the basement. It was cold. It was getting better, and you drank it all. Yeah. That happens. But there's still time to make another one. So now you're making the backup Oktoberfest to the beer that you made, you know, in March. In March. And so now the, the you know, you only got about what? We'll say told me we got four weeks. So this is the, the, the short version. This yes. is the, the Cliff Notes Oktoberfest. Yeah, and so you're not catching the beginning of the festival, but you might be able to catch it by end. You should be able to get this ready by October. And so the first thing you really have to decide is what type of beer you actually want to make. And there's really two styles that we talk about often here, and that's Marzen and Fest beer. Um and kind of what's the difference? So the Marzen, I think, is the one we're a little more familiar with. Obviously, it's made in March. It's a little bit higher in alcohol and has more roasty and kind of deep toffee and caramel flavors. Um, this is a little, again, higher alcohol. And the beer that's really usually aged um, and was kind of always a more traditional Oktoberfest beer. Um, but then there's the, also the Fest beer. Let's see, more stuff iron. And this is uh, kind of an interesting story. It's a little bit lighter in alcohol and body, but still a kind of malt-focused beer. It's still got a fair amount of flavor. Uh, flavors of kind of honey, graham cracker. Um, so it, it's not a just light pilsner or something like that. But this beer was made to be more accommodating for those looking for something a little more refreshing or talking about the tourists here, and a little bit lower alcohol so you didn't have tourists, you know, getting, we'll say, overindulging in the streets in Munich. And so this was the beer that was kind of the bridge. So it had the flavors of, you know, the Oktoberfest margin and the light amounts, but it was kind of a little more traditional uh, day-drinking beer um, so that people didn't overindulge and have something a little more refreshing to go back to. And sometimes it's a more popular style when you're kind of late in the game here because of the lower alcohol, because of the kind of softer flavors. Um, it's a little more forgiving if you're trying to make it in a hurry. Fair enough. I, I, I did Google it, by the way. I looked it up. It used to start in October. Okay. And then they moved it to September for better weather. So that's why it was, uh, yeah. I think uh, I've made that argument here sometime in, like, you know, after July 4th that we should be doing the same thing here. We should move a lot of our holidays from, like, January and February and just into the into summer. Into the summer, yeah. you know, would seem like a good idea. Makes sense. I mean, they just moved it a little bit into September because, I guess, again, the temperatures and the weather in Germany, I, I think it's, from what I'm reading, it's not as rainy and not, not as chilly, and it's daylight longer, which matters. There you go. So. Sorry, so, sorry to interrupt you, but I did want to get to that. I ultimately wanted to uh, answer the question that we had posed a little bit earlier. So anyway, you so, were saying before I That's all right. That's right. So now we're starting <laughs> to the, the, the malt base here. So what are you actually putting together? And both of these beers are a great opportunity to kind of explore the Belgian and German specialty malts. Um, either is going to start with Pilsner, and you're going to add a little bit of Munich and or Vienna, kind of build up the body a little bit. Um, but you can also add a lot of other different toasted malts, like Aromatic Biscuit, I know is a favorite of yours, um, Special B, 
a favorite of mine. And if you're doing the Fest beer, these are obviously going to be in small amounts, anywhere from a half to a quarter pound. Um, where if you're doing the Marzen style, you can add a little bit more, and you can also add some roasted malts um, and some caramel malts. And the one that always people usually go to, especially for the roasted malts, is the German Carafas. And if we talk about that for a second, there's German Carafa malt and then there's Carafa special malt. And what makes the Carafa special, so special, is that it's been dehusked. And by taking the husks off the grain, it removes the folic acid and a lot of the tannins and so therefore a lot of the bitter elements. So when you make a beer with it, it kind of has the roasty, chocolatey, and nutty flavors without having the kind of intense coffee and kind of really bitter flavors that usually associated with dark, roasty beers. And so it's, again, Oktoberfest. I think why it's so par- popular. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot of flavors, but it doesn't have too many, we'll say, you know, uh, bitter front flavor so it's, it's not super hoppy it doesn't have intense you know roasted bitter notes and it's not super high in alcohol even if you're doing the mars and we're looking at like six six point five percent here so it's a great beer to kind of serve and fall parties if you're having people over for football um but it's otherwise we'll say out of all of the kind of seasonal beers you know what i mean i think it's one of the easiest drinking yeah Maybe, sure. you know saison you know, a lot of pretty easy drinking, but for some people, the kind of farmy flavors or fruity flavors that come with it are a little bit of a turnoff. You know, pumpkin ales and Christmas ales, we all know that those are, yeah. you know, a little mixed opinion out there, especially in the homebrew world when somebody asks you to do one. Um, but the Fest beer and the Oktoberfest for seasonal beers are fairly easy drinking beers. We'll get to a break. We'll come back and talk about the fermentation of this. You are This is your crash course in a late Oktoberfest. If you want to get things uh, done before you miss the season, you still have a little bit of time, but you kind of got to get You can going. always make one now and drink it in, say, True. January. Yes. Right. Know, that's not cheating. You could just call it a February fest if you wanted yep. to. I mean, it'd be Oktoberfest style. So a crash course in uh, getting an Oktoberfest rolling. Fermentation, that part's up next. Jeremy White and Bert Deister here on Niagara Traditions Just Brew It on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. All right, back for fermentation of our Oktoberfest. If you didn't brew one back in uh, March, or you brewed it and you drank it like you, then now you can make another one. Not ashamed. Not ashamed. No, right. Why not? Beer is meant to be drinking, right. drunken, yeah. whatever. You're supposed to drink it. So, all right, on to the fermentation stage of making this Oktoberfest that uh, you're going to start late in the game. So, and that's a really, I think, the part that intimidates people. Once they get to this, oh, I, I could put together an easy recipe. It won't be that expensive. And they get to the fermentation, and they get a little bit worried because of the whole, do I have to do a lager yeast? And first of all, no, absolutely not. You don't have to do a lager yeast. Every commercial example up until the early 1900s 
would have been a ale yeast. Um, and there's still some of the classic German examples are brewed with ale yeast as well. So you don't have to do a lager. Um, the ale is going to be easy. I mean, any home brewer has started with ales. You've done this before. Um, you're going to be right in your normal process. Fermenting in the mid-60s um, to high-60s is going to be done in primary in about you know five to seven days. You'll be able to rack it pretty quick, throw it into a kegger bottle, and you're done. Um, really what it's going to come down to is yeast selection. Um, and you really want to tend to stay with kind of two categories here, German alt yeast and then pseudo lagers. So the German alt yeast will obviously be like um, the 1010 American wheat, which I don't know why it's called American wheat, the 1007 <laughs> German alt beer. Um, there's a WLP uh, alt, uh, Dusseldorf alt that's really popular. Uh, there's also the K97 from Fermentus. Um, pitch high, you know, use two packages or do a good starter. Uh, you can ferment those in the 60s and they'll really produce some clean flavors. And to the untrained tongue, it will be hard to tell whether it's an ale or whether it's a lager. Um, there's also a lot of other kind of favorite kind of pseudo lager yeast there's like we'll talk to you know, the california lager which is not really a true lager it's kind of a hybrid but also like nottingham and 1056 if you ferment those in the low 60s they turn out really clean and again to most of your friends coming over and drinking six beers on sunday they won't notice any difference between the ale and the lager as long as you keep the finishing gravity low as long as you keep it fairly dry that's what they're going to associate with a lager not you know kind of slight sulfur aromas and kind of that they're going to associate light drinkable beer is going to be a lager to them mm -hmm. so go ahead if you if you want to make this recipe but you're you say only got four weeks i only have one shot to do this i don't want to mess up a lager go ahead and go for an ale yeast and there's there's plenty and probably some that you've already worked with that you can use to kind of make this beer now we'll talk about the lager yeast a bit because this is really the kind of boogeyman for most home brewers it's it's where they're not willing to peer into they, they hear lagers are hard it's the extra step it, or five extra steps or it's depends a couple, on, it depends on how far you want to take it yeah. but i think they see people online that have you know big fermentation you know control chambers and who are setting the temperature day to day and you can do that and there's certain yeasts that really are going to require like that, like the, some of the Czech Pilsners and Budvar Pilsners, where they want to really be started in the kind of low 50s to high 40s and then slowly brought up to only about 58 degrees. And, and you're spending six days, sometimes two weeks doing this. Um, but most of the lager yeasts are a lot easier to work with. And if you... Don't select one of the harder ones. If you pick one of the easier lager yeasts to work with, even if you lose all of your fermentation control and you end up at 68, 70 degrees through fermentation, um, you'll still have a product that I think you'll be surprisingly happy with. Um, you're not going to get extreme um, skunk bombs. You're not going to get you know sulfur of rotten egg in strong amounts. As long as you select the right yeast, you're going to get kind of more fruity flavors similar to a Kolsch or similar to some of those German all yeasts. And so I think the secret with some of the more forgiving lagers, if everything goes to hell and you lose control of the fermentation, they tend to ferment just like an ale yeast. And so you're back to square one. Everything's okay. You can drink your mistake. You'll be perfectly happy drinking your mistake, and then you can try again if you want to. All right, but if you're going to try the lager yeast and you really want to make sure that you're going to have 
an okay beer either way. Um, the couple to really kind of look for any of the wine stuff on their lagers. Um, so I think this is the 800 in White Labs. It's the 2124 in Wyeese and the 3470 in Fermentis. And this is pretty close to the original lager yeast. While it produces some sulfur dioxide, it really doesn't like to be fermented that cold. I mean, you can push it and you can ferment it in the low 50s, high 40s, but really this yeast is happiest kind of around 59, 60 degrees which I'm sure a lot of people are kind of out there thinking, like, shocked, oh, I don't need to pull off 45 degrees for months or something like that. No, your basement this time of year should be the perfect temperature to kind of ferment a lot of these lagers. You also have the Oktoberfest blends, the California lagers, which are kind of not a lager, um, the Munich lager, as well as um, a couple of, like, the Danish and Swiss lagers are also right in that kind of 55 to 65 degree range. So you might be able to find, you know, somewhere under 60 in your house, but you should be able to find someplace 60 to 65. Um, there's a couple tricks, I guess, to say to fermenting a good lager. Um, they're kind of no secrets, and there's stuff that you should be doing with your ales anyways, and I think we kind of stress them a lot on the show, and that's pitching lots of yeast. Um, I usually pitch two to three packages of dried yeast, or I'll do a liter to a liter and a half starter. And this is for a beer at 45 points of gravity um, that's only five gallons. That's a, you know, that's a pitch that you would normally reserve for like a big batch of like imperial IPA. But for the lager, if you want to ensure that it's clean, you want to have a lot of cells, so each individual cell has to do less work. So go for a high pitch. Get it as cool as you can for fermentation. The first two to three days are really going to make the big difference. And if you're going to pick some time to be attentive of this beer, first three days. Keep exchanging ice packs out of your swamp cooler. Keep checking on the temperature, moving it around in the basement, or keeping it close and insulated to the AC duct. But for those first two to three days, you really have to pay attention. After that... Just okay. leave it? Just leave it. You, you want to let it slowly rise up to about 65, 68 degrees. That's the diacetyl rest. It's going to give a chance for the yeast metabolism to pick up and kind of eat the um, diacetyl and acetyl aldehyde that they may have produced in excess when they were fermenting cold. So just about every lager yeast, while it can be fermented cold, has to be kind of fermented warm for a little bit. Um, you go through that for only two to three days. Then you rack it into a secondary or put it into a keg or try to get it into bottles as quick as can, get that carbonated, and then throw it in the refrigerator in a cold corner of the basement and then try to give it some time to lager. So if you start this now, you should be able to get it through fermentation. Again, five to seven days, another three days, so you're at you know 10 days. You put it into a keg, you put it into bottles, and you now have about three weeks, really, to cold store it and that's actually what to lager means so lagering was actually a process before lagers were a yeast so you can still ferment an ale yeast gotcha. or ferment one of these cheating lagers which are close to the original lagers and then cold store it for two to three weeks and you've quote unquote lagered gotcha. so if you hide some bottles in the back of the fridge on yourself and you manage to drink this all in september so yet again you have no oktoberfest left in october Hide a couple in the back of the fridge. They'll be the best beers out of the batch. So the fact that the lagering existed before the yeast means that basically when the yeast showed up, people said, oh, this is for the lagering beers. We'll call you it lager it. yeast. You got it. So, the, yes, the yeast was actually made for the beers. And, again, what Louis Pasteur wanted to do, and he 
kind of gene spliced here. He took mitochondria out of, I believe it was, champagne yeast and put them into German Aus yeast so that they began producing some sulfur dioxide as well as CO2. And the idea was that the sulfur dioxide, much like metabisulfites or, you know, wine yeast, uh, prevents bacterial growth. Uh, so by having a yeast that would keep sulfur dioxide in solution while it was cold stored, it lessened the chances of the beer going uh, bacterial, kind of turning to vinegar, vinegar-like acidic substance over the course of the summer. And so the yeast was actually fit for the process, hmm. as opposed to trying to pasteurize a beer or something that may further alter its flavor. Very good. So if you want to get started, now's the time. Uh, we'll probably do a Oktoberfest show in March. We usually do mm-hmm. to kind of like put put it in your head. So maybe you are still uh, waiting to actually go ahead and drink it, drink the one that you've got. But uh, if you have, God bless you. Congratulations. <laughs> this is like finishing a marathon, staring at Oktoberfest all summer. You don't have enough beers ready to roll to keep you away from the one that's supposed to be down there for six months. No, I'm a feast of famine kind of brewer. I think a lot of my customers are the same. It's I had you know four beers on tap plus some you know strong beer and bottles. That was only two to three weeks ago. And because I I come home every night and what do I do? I have four taps. I go down the four taps and I try each of the beer. So what happens? I run out of all my beer within 48 hours. So uh, Tuesday night, I came home, I kicked the Pilsner, I kicked the Pale Ale. The next night, I came home, the Porter followed, and now I'm out of beer. Yeah. I have some bottles. I'm trying not to touch them. I have, sadly, a Pilsner in my fermentation chamber. So that's got to sit there for a little bit longer before I can try to brew some quick Pale Ales or English Bitters to just get something on tap as soon as possible the struggle is real yes it is all right you guys are closed labor day we're on next week though for labor day so we'll be here um but if you're planning on doing any brewing over labor day weekend you're gonna want to get there on saturday because uh closed on sunday as usual and closed on monday too also the uh, dude hates cancer event went off last weekend at resurgence uh, to benefit leukemia research so if you didn't make it this year maybe make it next year but uh been a pretty cool event over the years i had a chance to talk to jeff Ware about it uh one of the guys over at resurgence and uh yeah Cool event. Cool event, fun time, and uh, good for them for, for hosting that and for raising money for uh, to benefit leukemia research. Yeah. So that's it for us. We'll talk to you next week here on Niagara Traditions Just Brew It. Uh, what will we do? Maybe talk about fruit flies for another two minutes. We'll see if my battle's over by then. Yeah, we'll see about that. Maybe but, we'll, we'll finally be pushing off the kind of winemaking I think we're obligated to do yep. in the fall. Maybe we'll do it next week. We can't confirm for sure. We still want you to tune in. So until then, go brew yourself. You've been listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It.